have a confession to make. It is very rare for me to not do laundry during the nine days because I'm Sephardi now. And Sephardim continue to eat meat and do laundry and cut their hair until the week that Tisha B'Av falls out in. So that means that if Tisha B'Av is Thursday this week, we have to keep the laws of mourning Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday. So it doesn't happen often that I can't do laundry until like two days before Tisha B'Av actually falls out. And I am a laundry-holic. Everything gets washed every single day. No matter what. <laughs> Those machines are running the second after Shabbos until the second before Shabbos. We like things clean around here. My kids like things on the floor around here. I don't even check. If it's a baby, it's getting washed. Therefore, um, it's with a lot of stress that I enter this week trying to figure out how I'm going to exit this week and get all my laundry done on Friday, Erev Shabbos, considering how much we accumulate. I mean, the sheer amount of towels, tablecloths, sheets. Yes, I cover my table with a plastic. I still need to wash my tablecloths every single week for some reason. That could keep my machine running for hours. And then there's just everybody's clothes. And we have Kanai Nahara, a full family here in a schwitzy country, a 16-year-old who is apparently hypoallergenic. That's how she self-identifies, and that's why she doesn't want the dog anywhere near her. So we're washing everything, plus the dog and the leashes. And everything that smells remotely like not a human being gets washed practically every single day. So, um, yeah, I, I hope to be here on Thursday <laughs> in one piece, despite the ever-growing laundry pile that's accumulating in my non-existent laundry room. Because I live in Israel, and you'll be hard-pressed to find a typical Israeli with a laundry room. We have a laundry space in our kitchen where everything that involves cleaning or is just not aesthetically pleasing basically goes. It's intense. There's no door. <laughs> Anyways, happy morning. Hope you are all going into this week of sorrow and introspection with some calculated sorrow and introspection because that's what it's all about. It's not just about psyching yourself up for 24 hours of not eating or panicking about 24 hours of not eating. It's really about contemplating what we went through as a nation here in the land of Israel, what we are going through as a nation right now here in the land of Israel. As we speak, stores all around this country are shutting their doors today during a very busy shopping week part politically and part spiritually, because Jews don't shop this week. Jews do not purchase things. We are not excessive. We don't lavish ourselves. We don't treat ourselves. We lay low, and we think about the fact that our ancestors were brutally, brutally murdered by the Romans in many, many ways because the Jewish community was so fractured that they couldn't unite to fight against these enemy forces partly because of that and partly because, of course, spiritually Hashem was punishing the Jewish people for their misdeeds. So it's a serious time. It's a serious time to really calculate whether we are living in a reality that is shayich, that is appropriate for a Jew, a reality where we know that we can't take things for granted and that we are not the world's favorite people, to say the least, and that we've been through this before and it was not pretty. My husband was talking on Shabbos about the state of affairs, the five years that Nebuchadnezzar surrounded the old city of Yerushalayim, the walls, and how horrific it was and how much blood flowed out on the Jerusalem stone at that time. Even during the times of the second Beis HaMikdash, the Jews still mourned the first Beis HaMikdash. 
it was incomplete. The Urim Vitumim, the Cherubs, the uh, Ark of the Covenant, Luchas Abris, were all uh, not in the second base of Megdash, and therefore the Jews also fasted on Tisha B'Av, even when there was a second base of Megdash. I read that on Shabbos. I mean, can you imagine? They were fasting on Tisha B'Av for the first base of Megdash and the sorrows that fell on the Jews, even though there was a second base of Megdash. And here we are today deciding, can we really not go on a cruise during the nine days? Can we really not listen to, to music? What if it's just digital music? I mean, we've completely lost the sensitivity. And that's because we live in a digital world where everything is fleeting and nothing matters if you just shut your phone off. Like you literally can shut your phone off and there will be no one coming to your door to get you. If they cannot reach you by phone, you're on your own. <laughs> if they cannot reach you by phone, you're on your own. And therefore, you don't have to make any efforts. You don't have to leave your house. You don't have to go out and publicly participate in the real physical world now that we have a virtual world. As a matter of fact, you can only show up online and nobody will even notice that they haven't seen you in Shul in five years. They're like, what do you mean she's alive? I saw her on Instagram. The point being is that we live in a totally different world, a much more dangerous world. And if you did not listen to episode 127, where I talked about AI safety and your children, you might want to go back and check that one out. We will continue that conversation. I watched another very bone-chilling film on YouTube today. I ain't finished it, but when I do, maybe I'll put it in the show notes, about how children all around the world are basically on their phones for like seven hours a day, seven to 15 to 18 hours a day and how captivating it is, and how fascinating it is, and how interesting it is, and how they would literally rather be on their phones than anywhere else in the planet, on the planet. And that those days where we used to bike ride and come back in when the streetlights went on, and hang out, and be outdoors, and get covered in mosquito bites, and sunbitten, well, those days are practically over, because most kids are just existing online. Like my 13-year-old said, when she came back from camp, ma, that was just so aesthetically pleasing. It's just a little inside joke because when she packed, she said, I have to take the right thing so the summer can be aesthetically pleasing. And I didn't even roll my eyes because I just, I got it. Now, her summer was amazing and they did not have their phones and they had a great time hiking and exploring and enjoying Israel. But to go back to what I was first talking about, we have become very desensitized because of the digital era that we now live in. Whether it's our fault or not is irrelevant. The fact of the matter is that despite having been digitized, the Torah is not digital. And it exists in a realm outside of our phones and our screens. And that's why if you are taking a break from social media or if you're just spending a little more time looking into your sitter, looking at your children, looking at your life, looking at your choices, then you are doing the right thing to prepare for the day of mourning, the collective day of mourning that we cry and mourn collectively as a nation, despondent, forlorn, and uh, suffering here in Gullus, yet another year, yet another month, yet another week, yet another day, yet another hour for some people who are deeply, deeply suffering. So on that positive note, <laughs> I think we'll survive a week without the washing machine. Okay, let's get into the thick of it. I read a tweet today that got my blood pressure rising. So I was like, you know what? I should share this on the podcast because, you know, everyone wants to stress out with me about idiocy. This is from a, let's see, a rabbi teacher, parent, eternal student, founder at the laasok.org. What is that? Because something is not right with this man. Immerse and engage in Jewish learning. Okay, this is a liberal website. I already see LGBTQABC. And yeah, um, 
pretty sure that this is a reform organization, a, re a reform synagogue. So this guy, Mika Streifer, the rabbi of this organization, tweets out, Can reformed Jews be Shomer Shabbat? I say yes, but it looks different than an orthodoxy. A thread. Oh, I cannot wait to read this. And it got quite a bit of views, 48,000 views on Twitter, and he posted this last night. He wrote, Shomer Shabbat, keeping Shabbat, refers to the idea that we're supposed to refrain from work on Shabbat. It's the part of Shabbat practice that many liberal Jews struggle with. Parentheses, we're better at rituals like praying and lighting candles, less good at refraining from work. <laughs> Basically, we're undisciplined and we just want to have a good time. Uh, then he continues, for an Orthodox Jew, keeping Shabbat means following certain specific rules, like not driving, not turning on and off lights, not cutting, writing, etc. These are defined by rabbinic law. For Reformed Jews, keeping Shabbat is still a very meaningful category, but the rules are defined differently. They are much more individualized. Our job is to study the... Oh, they have a job now. Reform has a job now. Their job is to study the tradition and define our own prohibitions in conversation with the text and traditional practices. This means liberal Jews can keep the Shabbat and yet be doing it differently from one another. They might define different prohibitions from each other. Those practices might even change over time, but the idea of meaningfully refraining from work to honor Shabbat remains. So I say, yes, I am Shomer Shabbat. He's not. I think it's a word that liberal Jews need to start reclaiming. Obviously, there's a lot more to be said. I'd be curious about what you think. Thank you. I'm actually about to tell you what I think here on the Weekly Squeeze podcast. I'm so glad that you asked. And the ways that you, as a liberal Jew, view yourself as keeping Shabbat. Oh, he's not asking me. Well, too bad. Um, well, that's like saying Reformed Jews are Orthodox. That's like saying that two women getting married is a kosher wedding. <laughs> That's like saying that we can start an organization or a group in Judaism called Orthodox Seafood Eaters. We're Orthodox. We actually show compassion to seafood by eating it and elevating it spiritually through the process of digestion. So, yeah, that doesn't work. You know, it, you can't just take Orthodox terminology and decide that you are going to rebrand and basically make the term absolutely meaningless. That's literally appropriation. Shomer Shabbat, keeping Shabbos, Shomer Shabbos, it means something very specific for thousands of years. Just like girl means girl and boy means boy. You can't just take the term and reframe it so that you don't feel so guilty when someone, when someone asks, are you Shomer Shabbat? You're like, yeah, I am. It's a vibe. And I am totally vibing right now on Shabbat. I am in the Shabbos zone. I am shimmering Shabbat right now. So yeah, this is, um, I, I, it's a bad take. It's just a bad take. So why don't you just keep Shabbos? And this is not so simple. You can't just claim to be a Shomer Shabbos. You have to be an actual Shomer Shabbos if you want to be an aide in a court case, in a basin. You can't be Machal Shabbos and have people eat in your home. There are actual halachic implications, which you might know if you actually learned halacha. So this was, you know, at the end of the day, Let's just do the things we need to do the way we are supposed to do them because it's really not so bad. It's really not so bad to make the mistake if, God forbid, it was a mistake and orthodoxy is just a whole misinterpretation. It's not so bad to do it that way. It really isn't because Shabbos is such a beautiful day when you actually keep it and you cannot get it from a vibe. You cannot get it by claiming you are in the zone, in the Shabbat zone. You have to physically do it just the way our Rabbanim and people way, way smarter than you, sir, respectfully, understood the halachas of Shabbos to be. 
But I'm all for free speech, so it was good to hear from you. Now let's scroll on. Yesterday in Israel was a massive demonstration by the right wing. So if you've missed it, if you've been in a jail or having kids, you might not know that there are two groups in Israel now basically furiously waving Israeli flags in each other's faces. There's a great video of throngs of right-wingers going up on the left side of the elevator and throngs of left-wingers going down on the right side of the elevator into the train station as right-wingers go to demonstrate following days of left-wingers demonstrating here in Israel. It's all very organized. The bottom line is the economy is booming. Slurpees are being sold left and right. 7-Eleven is making a killing. The fruit guy at the corner making those juices can't get them out fast enough. And when you watch videos like this, where you see Israelis slapping each other five on the way down and just reaching over and saying, I love you, Achi. I love you, brother. Well, that is so heartwarming. And just a reminder that at the end of days, we are going to gather together, the left and the right, and we are going to march up to the base of Mikdash united. And we are going to show our enemies who's who. Because when you see these throngs of people, when you see these crowds, you realize the power of Am Yisrael when they really go out there and stand up for what they believe in. I love it. Take it to the streets. That's right. This week's episode of The Weekly Squeeze has been brought to you by Shemen Ra'anan Olive Oil. Olive oil that is fit for a king. Attention all olive oil enthusiasts. Well, that's pretty much all of us. Are you ready to taste an olive oil that will bring you back to the ancient land of Israel? Well, I have the perfect olive oil for you. Did you know that the first olives that were cultivated were cultivated right here in Israel? Sure, Italy and Greece and Spain are famous for their olives, but it all began right here in the Holy Land, where Israeli olive trees were so cherished, the Romans actually collected them as taxes. But let's fast forward to today, where Shemin Ranan is reviving the tradition of producing delicious olive oil from the Holy Land. Inspired by the Tehillim, Shemen Ra'anan gets its name from the Hebrew words meaning fresh, luxuriant oil, which is what you get when you buy a bottle of Shemen Ra'anan. And here's the best part. It's not just delicious, it's also very healthy. Olive oil has a range of benefits from promoting heart health to fighting inflammation and Shemen Ra'anan's commitment to producing the best olive oil while you are getting the real deal. This is not a subpar oil. This is a delicious, healthy, and good cause oil because they give 10% of your purchase to the Sami Farkash Foundation. So next time you can, pick up a bottle of Shemin Ra'anan olive oil. The link is in my show notes. Plus, they have a giveaway on Instagram. So head over to their page and win cash and a trip to Israel where you can pick up a bottle of Shemin Ra'anan oil in the flesh. If you can handle the heat because it is so dry today, wow. I went to the Merkaz earlier to pick up some snacks for my kids to bribe them into being quiet so I could record this podcast while they stay indoors on one of the hottest summer days we've had yet. And it feels fine for me. Like I am, it's actually nostalgic. When I walk here in the summer, and I totally do, it's 96 degrees today. And I walked to the Merkaz and I lugged home two big bags because I needed to buy snacks for my kids so they should... Be busy eating. You literally could hear them in the background. And this is why, by the way, my podcast was slightly delayed today in case you were wondering, like, where's my podcast? You guys are getting demanding. Like, dude, this podcast is free. You can't message me and be like, hello, I'm, I'm starting to cook and your podcast is not here. Really? Did you pay for it? Like, was it supposed to be delivered between a certain time because you are a subscriber? <laughs> like, what do I ask from you? Besides to share links in a WhatsApp chat. It's very simple to share a link of a podcast. You go to the episode 
there's either share or three dots and then share. That actually reminds me. I saw a video, or a video was in our family chat. By, by family chat, I mean my mother's side of the family. Because I, I don't know about you, but I'm in 10 immediate family chats. Immediate family. Because there's like my immediate family. And then there's like my siblings. That's also my immediate family. And then, then there's just my sisters. And then there's just my sisters without my parents. Sorry, Manta. I'm wish with my brother. And then there's like my husband's, all of his family chats. And he's like, do you want to be in the Bukharian family chat? I'm like, no, I'm good. Um, I'm great. I'm really, you just tell me what's going on and um, send them my love <laughs> and my emoji. Anyway, I digress. The point is, there was a video in that chat of my grandmother and her sister. My grandmother is Kanai Nahara, 90 years old, dressed like the Queen of England, I kid you not, Pearl, Simons, Chanel, the whole thing. Her and her sister looking lovely and elegant, like two typical great-great-grandmothers, Kanai Nahara, Lubavitch Bubbies, with another friend, a, a third woman that looks pretty much like them. Their oldest sister already passed two years ago, but usually it was the three of them. Anyway, the point was, they were all on their smartphones, and they were at a l'chaim. And whoever took the video, probably one of my uncles, he does a 360 in the room, and you see this l'chaim going on, and people are like mingling and talking. And then instead of like seeing three teenagers on their smartphones, you literally see three bubbies on their smartphones. They're sitting next to each other and they're kind of like talking but looking at their phones. You know when you do that, like you're socializing with your phones? It's just such a great video. And it's just so telling how addictive these phones are that you can resist, but you can't resist. <laughs> like, what do you want from our kids? It's irresistible. These phones are irresistible. And that is why I love podcasts because you can put your phone down and just kind of do your thing and not have to tap. It's like away from social media, but you're also part of the conversation. Which brings me to my next exciting thing that I wanted to let you guys know. You can now send me voice notes on an app called SpeakPipe. SpeakPipe, that's it. SpeakPipe.com slash the weekly squeeze. The link is in my show notes. And you just tap on the link and click record and send me a voice note that I can listen to and play on this podcast. How cool is that? So if you have a message to the ilum that you would like to transmit through the Weekly Squeeze in a coherent and respectful way, I'd be more than happy to share that. So for the love of God and all things holy, figure out how to click on show note links and send me voice notes that I'll download and share here. Maybe. So that's pretty cool. We'll see how that goes. Speaking of things that are going, Twitter, after 17 years, no, they're not closing their doors. They are rebranding. They are changing their name. From Twitter to, drumroll please, X. And four hours ago, Elon Musk uploaded a picture onto Twitter of their headquarters with a big X. And the X is just a rectangle and a straw right through it. There's nothing special about that X. And everybody has just been stunned, stunned with this idiocy. Like, why take a beloved bluebird and murder it? Like, what were you thinking? And now the bird is gone, and we are replacing it with an X. He is replacing it with an X. And this is my initial thought. In a digital world, things like a bird and an apple, and maybe, I don't know, a swish of air, it's all kind of stuff that nods to reality. But when you deduce everything, reduce everything, I should say, when you reduce everything to X, you take the humanness out of it. Maybe I'm overthinking this, but birds are so cute. Birds are, they're delightful. They soar, they flutter, they, they tweet, they, they have charm, they're colorful, they're beautiful, and they fly. And now we have an X. What is an X? An X is nothing. It's ambiguous. 
So we could all sit here and ponder and discuss what the potential implications and uh, sp- and significance of this name change are. It's like there's a mystery and excitement to it, like X. Now, that might be fine for Elon Musk, who is doing great things with whatever direction he takes, like all the more power to him. He made Tesla. He has people in space. He's doing great. But for your average Joe Schmo, the less time we can spend online, like you are becoming a billionaire because I, well, not anymore, I was paying you, I was literally paying you every month for a blue check on your platform. So you are a billionaire sucking more money out of people like me so we can go into the unknown. There is no unknown. There is only one unknown, and that is Hashem. And the only way to know Hashem is to do good things, and most of those things will take place off of your phones. So for the love of God and all things holy, get off your phones and stop changing things that are working. I like the bird. I'm very upset to see it go. Not that I even have a X account anymore. You see how that sounds? That sounds that sounds really alarming. This what this has to be rethought. I don't like this at all. But who's asking me? I'm just a little podcast host. All right, let's move on to some interesting news from around the world. Legendary singer Tony Bennett, who helped liberate a Nazi camp. Well, he passed away. I did not know that. I did not know that. Now, I'm not a big Tony Bennett fan, maybe because he was before my time. I never really gravitated to that twinkle toe, jazzy, romantic type of music. Although there's no doubt that he was incredibly talented. That's for sure. Anyway, he died. And apparently he was in Ayub Israel. He performed in Israel many times. And uh, he did stand with the Jewish people. And we always appreciate people who do good things, involve themselves with philanthropy and touch people's lives and advocate for important causes, especially in Hollywood where people are so insane and corrupt. So here we have this singer who, by the way, was not Jewish. He was Italian. He has a daughter, vocalist Antonia Bennett. She converted to Judaism in 2013 and married Ronan Hellman, an Israeli And together, they are the parents of a girl named Maya, who is a Jew and an Israeli citizen. That's pretty cool. As it turns out, Bennett was in the U.S. Army at the age of 18 in 1944, and he liberated a concentration camp in Landsberg, which was 30 miles south of the Dachau concentration camp in Germany. He spoke about this in his autobiography, The Good Life. He said he'll never forget the desperate faces and empty stares of the prisoners as they wandered aimlessly around the campgrounds. Once we took possession of the camp, we immediately got food and water to the survivors, but they had been brutalized for so long that at first they couldn't believe that we were there to help them and not kill them. To our horror, we discovered that all of the women and children had been killed long before our arrival, and that just the day before, half of the remaining survivors had been shot. The whole thing was beyond comprehension. He told this to the Baltimore Jewish Times in 2018, where he said that his experience in the army turned him into a lifelong pacifist. And it's my hope that all wars and violence will become a thing of the past. He performed in Tel Aviv in 2014, introduced on stage by a recorded voice of Frank Sinatra, calling him the greatest singer in the world. That's a big compliment. The night before his show, I remember this, he joined Lady Gaga. And that's when I was like, eh, not a big Gaga fan. I think she's talented, but she's pushed it too far. Anyways, he was extremely successful. He had he was a pro- prolific songwriter and recording artist and overall just a beloved American singer. 
Rest in peace, man. Rest in peace. Okay. What else did I want to tell you about? So many things. Like every hour there's things happening. And I'm making all these mental notes. Like I need to tell you certain things on the podcast. Oh, I know what I wanted to tell you. And I've known this for a while. But I was reminded by a guy. I think this is in Jamaica. We have to stop using nonstick pots and pans. Apparently, they're very, very dangerous and toxic. I'm going to share a little video of a guy who seems to know what he's talking about. Stop cooking in nonstick pots. They're made with Teflon. Teflon is banned in all of Europe. Teflon released over 48 different chemicals in your food. Heavy metals lodged up in your brain causing dementia and memory loss and Alzheimer. Do you know that dementia and Alzheimer and memory loss is only caused by aluminum? Without aluminum, such disease does not exist. Now, where does the aluminum come from? Come from your deodorant. It come from the aluminum pots that you're cooking with and it come from the nonstick pots that you keep cooking with. I see on the commercial they're talking about, oh, nonstick pots, oh, it's not gonna stick. The only pots you should be cooking with is copper pots, stainless steel pots, cast iron pots, glass pots, or ceramic pots. Again, only pots you should be cooking with is copper pots, stainless steel pots, cast iron pots, ceramic pots, or glass pots, okay? No other pots. Do not cook in aluminum pots. Do not cook in nonstick pots, okay? It's poisoning you. Heavy metals into your body. Now, I know people are gonna ask, so what is a heavy metal? A heavy metal is 12 times the weight of a water molecule which means that your body can't really get rid of it. You see, this is why you gotta use chlorophyll. Okay, the chlorophyll is gonna bind with the heavy metals, pull them out of the body. All right, thank you, random man on the internet. I just, I thought that was very convincing and I felt like I wanted to share that with you. If he's wrong, go to SpeakPipe. The link is in my show notes. Click on SpeakPipe and leave me a voice note and just record what you feel about Teflon and why you feel like it's racist of me not to wanna use Teflon, okay? All right. Did you know that Shulam Lemmer, the singer Shulam, an American Bell's Hasidic singer from Bar Park, he had a sister who passed away. I did not know that. He shared something on Twitter today. He shared, apparently her name was Sippy. He shared a picture of her gravestone and a beautiful redhead kala, a young, beautiful girl with blue eyes. Wow. And he shared a little poem that he wrote. He wrote, two decades have passed. We miss you every day. Zeal for life you had. In memories you stay. In our hearts, you're etched forever to remain. Precious sister gone too soon, a feeling hard to explain. Pain and longing time cannot erase, yet you're still so close we can feel your embrace. Wow. Well, her neshama should have an aliyah. And now for the Ben Shapiro news that nobody asked for. Apparently, he spent 43 minutes talking about the Barbie movie. The Barbie movie is out if you um, don't know what a Barbie is, I can't help you. But if you don't know what the Barbie movie is, good for you because apparently it's woke nonsense. And Ben Shapiro, who went last week, I mean, he is the father of two girls. He's entitled to go to a movie about Barbie and see what Americans are showing their children, his children, essentially. And it turns out the movie is full of, I, I didn't even watch this 43-minute video of his review. I didn't watch the Barbie movie. I don't care for these things. The point is that if that's up your alley and you want to hear what Ben Shapiro had to say about the Barbie movie, perhaps before you even take your kids to it, if you were thinking about it, you can go do that. And that's the end of a segment I'd like to call 
The Ben Shapiro news nobody asked for. I'm actually scrolling and looking for some other things that I remember I wanted to tell you. It's like the whole week long. These things flow by and I'm like, I should talk about that on the podcast. I should talk about that on the podcast. A Jew was stabbed 20 times. Yes, a Jew was stabbed 20 times here in the land of Israel. What could I tell you? The Palestinians are, you know, it's not like it's not like because I'm not discussing them and ranting and raving, that doesn't mean that our boys are not standing now in the burning sun in uniforms holding machinery so that they can defend my children who are living here in the land of Israel. That doesn't mean that it's not a very dangerous situation for the young men and women who are out on the front line. So we always have to keep that in mind and pray for them. All right, you're probably wondering who my guest is because I didn't announce it at the intro of the podcast because I dropped the music, considering it is the nine days and we are in a state of mourning as a nation. So let me tell you now. So out of the blue, I was like, I should have Jonathan on the podcast. Jonathan is Dr. Jonathan Donith, a very talented, wonderful chiropractor, a great guy, and also the brainchild behind... Daily Giving, that I have spoke about many times on this podcast because they're they're a fantastic organization, and I'll tell you what they are in a minute. Anyways, I thought, I should have him on the podcast, and then I remembered that exactly a year ago, and I texted him. I'm like, you want to be on the show? He's like, yes, and I realized that exactly last year at this time, we were in touch, and he was supposed to be on the podcast, and it didn't work out. This week, the week before Tisha B'Av, and then randomly, I just messaged him, and here he is exactly a year later. Uh, I don't know what the significance is. But I do think it's an auspicious time to talk about what he's going to talk about today. So check out this conversation I had with him just a couple hours ago. Honestly, Jonathan is a nightbird. He is a workaholic, a real perfectionist, and he's just one of those guys that makes things happen. And he made daily giving happen. And a lot of lives have been changed and touched because of what he is doing. So I'm thrilled to have him here today to talk about daily giving from the inside perspective. I know some of you have questions how it works, why it works, and who it can work for. So without further ado, Dr. Jonathan Donath. Jonathan, welcome to the Weekly Squeeze. Kamala, always great to see you. Thank you. You think you're here to talk about daily giving. I'm actually here to talk about my lower back. So before we even get to (laughs) all of that, for all us Altacockers who are going to be fasting on Tisha B'Av and sitting on the floor, Dr. Jonathan Donath, what tips do you have? Very important. You know, it's, it's funny to say that after every, after every Tisha B'Av, people, uh, the next day, my office is very busy. You know, those this, uh, low chairs. When I go to Shiva houses, I'm always taking the mourners into another room and showing them hamstring stretches. So very important to stretch out your hamstrings because sitting that low is very bad for your low back. And in general, stress. People are just stressed out. They wear it in their backs. That's exactly right. Yeah, but you look pretty chill, and that's because you are a tzaddik doing good things, and that's what we're here to talk about. I actually did not look on the Daily Giving website in too long. I'm going to look now while I'm talking to Jonathan. I'm going to see how many people are giving a dollar a day. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's do this. Daily Giving, the tzedakah fund of the Jewish people, right? Distributed all time. Ten, is that $10 million? That's correct. Over $10 million you've given through daily giving since you've started this charity organization. Amazing. $14,517 donated today, which is more than double when I checked last year. That's amazing. And over the next 12 months, $5 million more. So this is your opportunity to give your TED Talk about what is daily giving and why you are still actively pursuing people to sign up 
and how it's changing people's lives, the people who are giving and the people who are receiving. We want to hear it all. So go for it. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Kanala. You've been a big part of it even from the beginning. You've jumped on board right away and pushed it and told people about it. So uh, it's really special to be here. It kind of comes full circle as yeah. now you become, you know, this mega, mega, so you've always been a star, Kanala, but the last, you know, year or two with the uh, weekly squeeze and everything else is uh, really catapulted. And, um, Basically, for your listeners who don't know what daily giving is, we automated a platform to try to get Jews from all over the world to give at least $1 of tzedakah together every single day. And every day, we give the entire amount. Uh, kind of like just said, today we gave out $14,517. To Today, we gave it to Olam Chesed, the World of Chesed, an organization that has a warehouse with tens of millions of dollars worth of goods that was donated through Target and 3M and Best Buy and you name it. And... Uh, and they, they actually help a lot of other organizations give it to poor people. But even their warehouse, poor people come in and can literally go have a whole shopping experience and come out with their vacuum cleaner and their couches and their literally, you name it, and furnish their whole home for, let's say, a, a new a new couple that just can't afford it. That's just today's organization called Olam Chesed. So every day, yesterday we gave to Ohel. You know, last week we gave to Misaskim. And it, it's we like to call it a diversified portfolio of charities. So for $1 a day, you get the support. Uh, over 75 different incredible Jewish nonprofits. Um, uh, and there's just like different categories. We give to a lot of poverty organizations and we give to special needs organizations and cancer and substance abuse and mental health and addiction and domestic violence and Torah and this and that and chesed MS and, and life-saving and emergencies and transplants and stem cells. And so it doesn't all, matter how wealthy you are. All these organizations need money. They all have massive overheads. They all have big budgets. They all have a lot of people knocking on their doors. And you're like their fairy godmother that swoops in once a month and is like daily givings check has arrived. And that's how at Lamana Chai, yeah. I was greeted with such warmth. They were like, oh, daily giving, they're amazing. They're terrific. We're thrilled when they send us money. So it's really from people's pockets to other people's pockets because it's just charity the whole way through. And I just want to just, you, you, you just reminded me of something. It's not just the money we're giving, but like one of the organizations we give to is called Bat Melech. It's an organization in Israel. They have three safe houses for women and children who have literally escaped their homes because of domestic violence. It, they're doing incredible things. And so they told us that the women that they help, they, when they found out about daily giving and they saw the email that day that daily giving gave them, they don't care about the money. They're not like, being, they're, they're just living in the home, right? But the support they felt that, they, that there's 50, you know, almost 15,000 Jews all over the world from 39 countries that know about Bat, Bat Melech, that are donating to Bat Melech. They felt so supported. They felt, you know, like Mikam Chay Yisrael, that that was just like a whole nother, you know, element that I never really thought of. But the octus that we're creating is not just the money we're giving and the impact we're having, but for something organization like Bat Melech, you know, we're really supporting these women and they feel supported by all of us. Well, we all know how beautiful it is to give and how meaningful it is and how it's such an important mitzvah and how there's so many ways to give now that we're all digital. We can win prizes for giving stucco. We can go to an auction. I mean, giving charity is just amazing and completely interspersed into our society, Baruch Hashem. I, I, I wouldn't say that Am Yisrael are lacking people to give or lacking givers. So why is it that daily giving made such an impact in the last two years with the fruition of your vision where Jews can sign up and give either every month or every year so that their dollar is part of this whole giving tree, this giving orchard. You know what I mean? Like what makes it so yes, unique in that yes. way? I, I've asked myself that question a lot. And so I'll give you the answer. I think, you know, um, you know, cause we see like Siata Deshmaya every day. 
every day something happens we're like wow you know someone leads to something else and and i've spoken to i'd say at least a dozen of the founders or executive directors from the organizations we give to said jonathan we're gonna be honest with you they all had the same conversation they're like we want to tell you the truth now we thought when you started doing the giving it would be an epic fail and they're like the reason we thought it was gonna be an epic fail is because we've all tried that we've all said you know we have two thousand dollars we have five thousand dollars if we just got our own donors to give 30 bucks a month that would cover our entire budget and more and so we they all tried it and they all was a total fail because let's say if someone's giving them eighteen hundred dollars a year or whatever 360 whatever they're giving right then for them to say on top of that can you also just give us thirty dollars a month they're like no you know whatever but because we give to a different charity every single day and we're literally giving you're getting a mitzvah every day right like that's powerful that's actually how i had the idea i just wanted to guarantee myself a mitzvah every single day no matter what i remember as a right. child my mother giving me a penny or a nickel to put in the tzedakah box i was like how can we don't give every day we i mean we, yes we're in shul a lot of us give almost every day but we don't have our wallets with the samot to shabbos there's if you think about it there's lots of times we're actually not giving every day and so that was the idea that at the beginning but what it's turned into is again just this 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 oxus campaign this this ability to give with your brothers and sisters together every day so um people just feel such a part of it. they love the daily the daily giving email that, that you receive we think is kind of our special sauce right like i just came from a camp ask event just right just an hour ago i was speaking at it and this guy is signing up right there he's like, but i don't want to get the emails i said listen just trust me let yourself get the emails for the next 30 days if you want to unsubscribe but subscribe but you'll see it he'll see the magic like i have CEOs of big companies and they say, they say the same thing though. Jonathan, I get 10,000 emails a day, but the one email I look forward to is daily giving email because I get to see my money become more powerful as more people join every day. And I get to learn about a new organization and, and our, on our daily email, daily giving emails, we have a, a video and a link to the website of the organization. And, um, people find out about organizations they never heard of and they donate money. Um, pantry packers told us that, uh, Rabbi Traxer said, Jonathan, someone gave me a $10,000 check for pantry packers. And I asked them, how did you hear about it? They said daily giving. Another organization reached out to us, Nassam Khalev, another amazing poverty organization. They said, we, we couldn't figure out eight people donated a sizable amount on one random Tuesday through our website. And we could not, for the life of us, figure out what happened that day to, to get eight people to just donate to our website. Finally, we figured out it was the day the Daily Giving, you know, donated to us. And, you know, so eight people were so impressed by what they did, they decided, I got to give to them also and donate more to their tzedakah. So we don't... So the $10.2 million we've already given out, the $5.3 million we're giving out now for a year and growing every day, we don't even know the full story, right? Because we have big philanthropists that find out, that come to us, and they, they realize, they look at us like we're the, char the charity navigator, the, the, the guide star of where to go to to give tzedakahs. We, we vet very, very carefully who we're giving to. We look at their expense ratios. We want to make sure that, um, that they're doing great things. And again, we diversify portfolio so that we, we, we just, you know, we added last year Aleph, right? And that we give to... You know that they're doing incredible work supporting Jewish people who, God forbid, they go to jail and and their families are left with nothing. And they, can you imagine they send their kids to camp because they can't afford camp? Like the stuff they're doing is amazing, right? So this is the kinds of things you'll figure out with daily giving because you know a, a, we all love to give. Everyone loves to give. Everyone wants to give more. But we all, have, you know, in the Jewish community, there's we all have our own needs, right? We we pay if you don't live in Israel, you pay a tremendous amount for your tuition. We pay our shul dues, and we but you know, we want to send our kids to camp. But by the time all all is said and done, you're like. How much money can each of us make? Like, there's just nothing left. But so, so we and we get envelopes every day in the mail, and we should. And, and daily giving is not to give to us instead of them, right? We always look at give it to us in addition to just it's one dollar a day. Hopefully, hopefully most people can give a dollar a day, thirty one dollars a month, 
And if they if they can't afford to give tzedakah, then we're even more perfect for them because then they should just stretch to do $31 a month. And at least they'll feel that they get to give to so many people. Mishpacha Magazine wrote, a, uh, Jonathan Rosen wrote a really great article in Mishpacha, I think around less than a year ago. And um, the, the article was great and about 100 people signed up for the article. But two weeks later, someone wrote it into Mishpacha and they published the, the response, the letter. And I, I, I almost love more what the letter said than the article. And this person with the initials RK wrote in, that I've always struggled with tzedakah, feeling like my $36 check or my $180 check feels so meaningless. Like I don't feel like I'm having any impact with my money. And now with daily giving, I'm giving $14,000 a day. I feel like I'm a big vira. I'm, I'm giving huge money every single day. I'm having a real impact. We're, we're saving every, 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 every month. We're finding out from Azer Metzion that one of our donor, one of the donors that we paid for is saving a life through stem cells, or we're paying for uh, a, a kidney donation, or we're buying an ambucycle for United Hatzalah, or literally the money we're going to these, the most, the most poor of the poor who can't afford to put food on their Shabbos table. We're supporting them. And like, again, it just goes full circle. There's so many different things we're doing. I'm just naming a couple. We're saving babies through just one life and crib of fraud. And we're helping couples with infertility and boniolum and a time. And all we have, I don't know, six or seven special needs organizations. And, um, and so it's, it's really, it, it's the, the feedback we get Hanala is incredible. I know you've, You've personally gotten a lot of people to sign up for daily giving. You know, as you're, as you're talking, like a lot of questions are popping up that I remember having that I know that my audience might be having as they're listening. So let me throw some by you because what's really the story here? What's running this operation? What is the best way to give charity? Why is he so enthusiastic about daily giving specifically? Who cares how we give? You know what I mean? Like all those little... so. Let's break it down. There's no question that daily giving is very connected with the givers and the people they give to and the people that receive. And there's a very warm feeling of family. And that's what I had when I was involved with your team when we worked on the concert. It was just like a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of talent also. This concept that the entire Amish will give a dollar a day, is that your big ultimate view that every single Jew should give one dollar a day and we can have basically end poverty as we know it? Like, what's the biggest vision you have for daily giving? The biggest vision is exactly what you said, right? That we are trying to get all of Ami's children to give a dollar together, right? If we had, if 1% of all Jews give a dollar a day, that will be over $50 million a year. If right. 1%, I refuse to believe we cannot get to 1%, right? It is the biggest win-win-win. Right, and there are people listening or people listening who know people who actually don't give charity on a regular basis. They just don't. For whatever reason, not because they're not giving or generous, but because A, they don't specifically follow that mitzvah, which is a mitzvah from the Torah, and B, because they just don't get to it. And giving charity every single day has a tremendous impact on our life. I mean, the bracha just overflows and the miracles overflow. So talk a little bit about that, because I know part of your enthusiasm for getting people to sign up is the bracha and the mazel and the hatzlacha that comes into their lives. And that's why daily giving for you is like an obsession. It's a passion. Like, I promise you it's worth it. So speak on that for a little bit. So I want to, I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to answer another question you asked a minute ago first, but I'll get to that in a second. One, I, one thing I, I just spoke of this, this has thing is, you know, like an hour ago and I forgot, I, every time I speak, I forget one thing. And the thing I forgot to tell them at this, at this uh, event is that daily giving doesn't take a penny. A hundred cents of your dollar. When you sign up for a dollar a day of daily giving, you, pay, you do pay the credit card fee that's passed on to the, the giver. But other than that, what gets into day, daily giving's bank account is the exact number to give a hundred cents of your dollar every day to another organization. So you know that even though we have overhead and we have, I, I don't get paid, but I, I have staff that I have to pay and we have technology that we use and 
we do marketing because again, it doesn't just grow by itself. We we, we want to get lots of people, and so there is overhead. But we we go to we have certain philanthropists that love what we're doing so much that they are covering private donors are covering our overhead, so that 100 cents of our dollar goes to the tzedakah. That's why it's like such a win win win. Even everyone wins. The organizations win. The givers win. Daily, like we don't take any. But even the philanthropists give us the money. They feel so they're like I want to have a little piece of that that I'm helping other people do a mitzvah every day and the impact we're having. And so that's why I'm so passionate because everyone there's not that many win-win-wins in life, right? Kind of like true win-win-win. This is one of those like things that like is only like too good to be true. Like, what's the deal? What what's wrong? Like you just said, like what what what's bad? Well, mitzvah, there's really gar- no bad. Gar- I mean, mitzvah, yeah, mitzvah, garish mitzvah, just snowballs. It just grows. It just continues. It's the gift that keeps giving. That's exactly right, and 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 you feel great to be a part of it because like how often do we get to do something? There's so much divisiveness in our world, right? Like I listen to your podcast and. Look, there's no, so, there's so much going it. There's on. There's no controversy you know, on this show. You know, you're, 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 but you, but you're a new, right? You, you tell us the news like it is, right? And uh, unfortunately, there's, but we have Hasidic Jews and Reform Jews giving together, right? And you know how great is that? Like I, 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 I remember my, for for my son when he was bar mitzvah three or four years ago. We went and we stood outside, and I stood back, and he went and he said for his bar mitzvah project, he told people that he was doing this, and he got these some pe- non-religious people. We've been giving for years now, tzedakah every single day, right? And then I, I'm at a product inspire event, and I'm with a Hasidic guy, and he shows me this phone with a big smile that he's got today's email. He signed up, like it's like it's the greatest achdus, right? Like that, like it doesn't matter. It almost doesn't matter. We give to let me tell you, we give to incredible organizations that are our, our website dailygiving.org. We haven't mentioned it, but dailygiving.org is completely transparent. But besides that, it, it almost doesn't matter that we give to incredible organizations, but. It almost doesn't matter who we're giving to. Just the fact that we're all giving together. Like, what more can Hashem want than His children coming together to our brothers and sisters? Yeah, and the Machsis HaShekel, which Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu that He has to count B'nai Israel, and each person should bring a half a shekel for tzedakah, for the poor, right? And Hashem didn't want that the rich gave give excessively and the poor should be stingy. So Hashem gave a set amount for each person. So the concept of Am Yisrael giving tzedakah together as a nation, is built into the way we do things. You know, the Lubavitch Rebbe gave a dollar at dollar lines, I remember as a kid, and then you you kept the dollar, but you gave another dollar to tzedakah. And if the Rebbe gave dollars every day, people would wait every day because the message was, go give tzedakah one Jew to another, one dollar to another person's hand. That's really what it's all about. And sometimes when you go online and you see all these campaigns, it can really feel overwhelming. It could be like, who do I give to? It's all too much. Everybody needs it. I can't decide. So this is the kind of roster that you can hit all those marks and be like, you know what? I do give generously to so many different people who need it, and that makes people feel good. But talk about the miracles and the brachas. I want to hear all that stuff. So I think the first story I'm thinking of is a woman who was sort of distantly related to. She was in her mid-30s. And the first year in 2019, when we started daily giving, she signed up for $2 a day for a whole year. Because you have an option. You can give monthly or annually. Again, we give every day for you, Rishaliyah. But... Those are the choices because we can't hit your credit card every day because the transaction fee would be too high. So she signed up for $2 a yearly, right? Like $760 something dollars or something like that. So I called her up to thank her and I said, why did you sign up for $2 a day? And she said, one for me and one for my future husband. And she's like 35, 36 at the time, never been married. And she got engaged six months later and not, had not met her husband at the time when she signed up. Okay. Okay. That hits now, the spot. <laughs> I told, yeah. So wait, there's more. This story is going to be the one that keeps on going. So I told Rabbi Ben-Sion Klasko that story. He's the head of Shabbat.com, and he speaks to singles a lot. So there's a whole part of Shabbat.com, and we give to Shabbat.com also, that they have a whole singles part, and they, I don't know how many hundreds of uh, Jews have gotten, you know, met each other on Shabbat.com. So I told him the story, and he told it. 
and he sends me a text message one day from a, from a mother in Chicago. And she said, I listened to you talk about daily giving, about the idea of giving $2 a day. And I signed up my daughter who's 29 years old, been dating since she's 21. And I signed up on May 13th, $2 one for her, one for her future husband. And um, she met him on May 20th, seven days later. And then I was at, speaking at a, an event for the ranch in Ornava. And these two girls came up to me and said, Dr. Donath, can you set us up? We're in our, they're, they're in mid-20s, I think. And I said, you know, I don't know anyone. They're already daily givers. So I said, look, if you have enough money, maybe try to give a second dollar a day for your future husband. And three months later, I get a text message from one of them. Dr. Donath, you have to wish with me a model. I did what you Hello, said. Hello, if this whatever, podcast doesn't go viral because of this, these miracle stories, I don't know what will do it. But that's amazing. You know Worse, the worst comes to worse. I'll give an extra dollar to Tzedakah. Three months later, she was engaged. Wow. Um, and then, and then, just the, maybe three weeks ago, I got an email from another daily giver who signed up her granddaughter and great niece, and they both got engaged. So now we're up to five that I know about already that did this. And this is this is the crazy part. I don't. Know, I hope I can explain it well. So this first woman in the story who signed up four years ago, like I said, she, I'm distantly related to her. So I bumped into her. And I told her, I was like, I want you to know that your idea, what this has spurred, and I've talked about it, and then other people have signed up for $2 a day for Zuchus, for Rafur Shlema, and for Shaduchim, and stuff like this. So I said, I just want to tell you the story. And she started crying when I told her that four other people have gotten engaged, basically because of her story. Fine, story ends. That night, she texts me. She's like, Jonathan, I went home, and I looked at my credit card bill. And I looked back in 2019, because I know that's when I, the year I met my husband. And I looked back at my credit card bill, and I met him the week I signed up for daily giving. And she had signed up from like just on a whim. Yeah, she signed up for two dollars a day for one for a dollar for herself and one for her future husband. And that week, she married him. She she got. Oh, she didn't six realize later, she at the actually, time. No, she didn't know him yet. She signed up, and then that week, she knows the day she met him. She met him at like a birthday party, someone else's birthday party. So she looked back, and she actually met him the same week she had signed up for daily giving. So beautiful. Anyway, that's one story. I like to share and you know um look we all know that we all we all need to do more for the singles who are looking to meet their beshares and you know hopefully i just gave them a life a life hack you reminded me though like charlene she signed up her whole family her grandmother her great-grandmother you know her best friend you know she's just all over the place you get a dollar and you get a dollar and you get a daily giving and you get a daily giving and that i love that feature that you can do it for somebody else's merit you could do it in the merit of somebody who's passed let's say you have a great grandmother and you never had a deep connection with her or you did have a deep connection with her and you feel like you you never honored that. So this is such a beautiful way to give an aliyah for her neshama. If you had a Jewish grandmother that That's perhaps exactly no right. one I'm, said, so, I'm yeah. so glad you said that. You know, people do that all the time. You know, it says once we die, we can no longer do mitzvahs. But the one thing that you can get sort of credit for uh, once you die is you can give tzedakah to uplift actually uplift someone's soul to be Lulu Nishmatham. And so, so many people do that. In fact, just now, the half thing, someone signed up and he's like, my mother, my, my wife lost her father last week. And he calls his wife over and he says, we're going to do this uh, Lulu to your father. And she started crying. Like, it's, it's an amazing thing, right? Like It's not like you give a check to a school and then a few months later, you, the excitement wears off, but you're literally doing a mitzvah every single day in their honor. It's like a concrete exactly mitzvah. Right. It's really special. Really special. Yeah. Wow, I love yeah, that. I want to tell you another story. Just you reminded me of you. I sure. think you like this story. Um, you know, I've told it many other times, but people seem to like it. So hopefully there'll be, there'll be listeners of yours that haven't heard it. This one gentleman signed up for daily giving for a dollar a day. And then about 30 seconds later, he signed up again for another dollar. And he did it five times with five different email addresses. And I called him up and I said, thank you so much. Did you sign up your children? He said, that's exactly what I did. I said, how old are your kids? And he said, they're one, two, and four. And I was like, what? And he said, 
I already reserved their Gmail addresses. So when they get older, they'll have their Gmail addresses. And now when I give them their password or eight, nine, 10 years from now, and they open it up, they're going to see one email and one email only that's repeated hundreds or thousands of times. It says, thank you for your donation. And they'll know that they did a mitzvah every single day and that they were a giver since they were a young child. Wow, I got the chills. That's great. That's really great. That's good stuff. So that's what motivates you to keep pushing at this because at the end of the day, it does take a lot of work and there is an entire team involved. And I know this because we pulled off a massive concert and you were schwitzing. It was quite intense. You went above and beyond your average charity uh, <laughs> director does to get this off the ground and that it should be a positive experience. So should we talk about that like a little bit, reminisce? Shout out to your husband. I don't know if people don't know. Connell's husband is like a world-class music producer and he produced this concert at cost because he's a mitzvah man. Right. And uh, if, I don't know if, if you can, maybe we'll give you the link that people could still share, share the concert. Absolutely. I'll give you, I'll give you the link. After free people can go back and they'll enjoy it so much. Such a great uh, show. Because it was really, it was such an amazing night. Yeah. I, I and, tell people uh, listening people, that I didn't see the footage that you guys shared that streamed on the YouTube channel and at, at the actual concert. And I was so moved the way the mopeds came out. And you actually gave those physical ambulances at the time that Daily Giving paid for to Israelis here, Arabs and Jews, women who use those ambulances to deliver babies in Haredi communities when a mother simply cannot get to the hospital. I mean, it was so amazing. And Jamie Geller and Devorah Schwartz and the and Chaya Kogan. And it was just such a glitzy, fancy, beautiful, meaningful night. Yes, yes. And then, and again, people might see that and go, oh, they're spending money. We don't, again, every dollar goes to the Sadaq organizations. We fundraise separately for that. And we have people like your husband who donated so much time and effort into I it. I sang for free. You said that <laughs> there's no one who's paid. I and, always say, I have yeah, no problem. It was great. It was just an amazing night. And so many people are still doing a mitzvah every single day because of that night and seeing that concert. And that's, that's the thing. We just want to spread. I have, you know, I have an amazing, amazing uh, board and one one person in particular, he's, he'll kill me. He probably won't see this. He, you know, he's too busy to watch your podcast. But he, he's the owner of Amazing Savings. Hey, people hey, don't know. Excuse me, you never you know. Never know. You, never you never know. We'll <laughs> probably get back to him yeah. because you have such a popular show. But the owner of Amazing Savings, his name is Sammy Friedland. He's an amazing, amazing. People don't know that a from guy owns Amazing Savings. I mean, maybe some people do. Uh, have you ever every, been every holiday, to but, Amazing Savings? Yeah, yes, yeah, like from Ghana. <laughs> all the all the all the great yeah. stuff. Exactly, it's from Ghana. So. You know, not only does he sign up, uh, not as he, you know, he signed up and tell everyone else, but he makes it a point every single week trying to get one new person to sign up for daily giving. If he doesn't get one person that week, he tries to get two the next week. And if, you know, we're 14,000 givers, all would just try to get one person a week to sign up. We'd be at 100,000 people giving a day in no time. So you're saying even if you're listening and you're already a daily giver, and I know a lot of my audience are, because you've seen people sign up over the last, you know, year and a half since I started. I mean, lately it's been a little bit focused on bigger fancier paying companies, you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, the people who did sign up for Daily Giving were thrilled to, and I got such beautiful messages thanking me, people thanking me, thank you for helping me find out about Daily Giving. And I'm like, you're thanking me for taking your money, but it's not like that. It's just a an avenue that facilitates and makes the experience of giving staka more beautiful. And on the last note, before I let you go, I know you're a Talmud Chacham Shtickle, so tell us a little bit about how now, as the saddest day in the Jewish calendar approaches and we go into this stage of mourning, we're already in actually, how giving staka is just the, or committing to giving staka at this time is just a, a very auspicious decision to make as a Jew. I'm glad you asked that. Thank you. Um, 
you know, people sometimes say to me, have you, did you ever think you'd be giving out five and a quarter million dollars a year? And the answer is, I really thought that we would be at five million dollars a year much sooner, that we only have 14,000 people because, because of the feedback everyone gives and everyone loves it. And I think that Hashem made it difficult for us to give tzedakah. We work so hard for our money. It's just not easy for us to give it away. And if it was easy, we wouldn't get the scar, the merit for, for giving away our money. And so the same message, I, I think that I've been on podcasts before and I've done different things in the same video that we put out in February, or June versus like on Tishabov or our Sarah's Mechuva goes 10 X. Why? Because Jews for, you know, feel more connected at this time, right? We're in the middle of the nine days right now. We're about to hit Tishabov. And this is a big growth spurt for daily giving because finally people, people might hear a lot of different times. Hopefully maybe, maybe people, maybe right now you listening, I've heard about daily giving many times and haven't actually gone to sign up. You meant to. I can't say how many times people say, I heard about it. I meant to do it a thousand times and I just forgot. That's the Yitzhahara, right? So the, just hit pause on the podcast right now and take 30 seconds. That all, that's all it takes. And go to dailygiving.org and sign you up. You can do $7 a week. Right. We, we know that Tisha B'Av, right, is here. The, the base of Medish was, was destroyed because we couldn't get along with each other. And like, what better way, what what more obviously straw comes together in Octus that, that when we get seductive to our brothers and sisters, we're less fortunate, right? Like, it just doesn't get better. So hopefully, hopefully, something Kandala said, something I may have accidentally said, inspired you enough to just go on and sign up for Daily Giving. You will thank Kandala. Or when you sign up and he says, said, how do you hear about us? Make sure you say Khanala. I send her every time someone signs up from the from Khanala's podcast. I send it to her. She sees it. She feels great about it. She deserves to feel great that she's using her platform to spread Torah and mitzvahs. And uh, and hopefully a lot of your a lot of a lot of people will be joined daily giving because of you. And and, and next be, year and we'll be sitting here and we'll exactly be like we right. hit that one percent and you're gonna be like ah one percent. Listen, if ten percent of people could give, then we're talking. You got it, Khanala. <laughs> All right, Zagazan, thank you very much. Thanks Just so go mitzvahs. And um, yeah, we should see each other in Mashiach's times. No more fasting and yeah, Amen. world peace. However you are listening to this podcast, the link to sign up for Daily Giving is in the show notes. So there you have it, episode 128 of the Weekly Squeeze. Head down to my show notes for all the links you need, and I will see you on Thursday.